This episode of Toddversations is brought to you by Envy, the ultimate Apple experience. Learn more about Envy at envyapple.com. Hey, hi, ho, everybody. How the hell are you? I hope you're doing fantastic today. You know, I say that every time we open up these shows, that's truly my wish for you is that you're having a good day. I know if we lean into it and we lead with love and kindness, we start our days off with that kind of walking tall attitude. Boy, good things could probably happen in this world. What do you think, Sean? Start with Absolutely. love and kindness. Yeah, that's 100%. pretty damn good way to start your day. I agree 100%. I don't know, man. I just think I just think we lean into that more. Who knows? A big group hug would not hurt this planet one big bit. I'm excited about our show today. We're going to have a talk about a topic that doesn't get a lot of airplay, but it needs airplay because I think it's really, really important that we understand and we break down and we start to dissect through this platform. What is the value of food? What do we think about it? This is a big part of that equation and it's packaging about around food. And we've got a great guest joining us today. He's the CEO of Calpine Container. Please, everybody, put your hands together, stand up, cheer. I want to see some cartwheels out there in the virtual world. Please welcome Sean Gallagher. Dude, welcome. I'm glad you're hanging with me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Todd. This is awesome. I uh, I was listening to a couple of these uh, podcasts as I got to know you here. And man, I feel like you need a Jim Cramer style welcome. You know, I feel like I need to give you a big booyah, right? You know, I, you know I'll take anything, <laughs> man. You know what? And I say this to every one of my guests. It's like, I'm so excited that you're excited at the beginning. Just feel this way at the end, because otherwise it just means nothing, right? It's Absolutely. all about the finish. It's all about yep. the finish. Now, I, and I'm thrilled you're here, you know, because like I said, this is a really interesting topic that doesn't get a lot of airplay. Coming from my experience, you know, uh, living in a bit of the world that, that, you know, buyers would beat up growers, growers would go beat up who they could beat up. And it's just domino effect of just trying to squeeze, 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 go, go, go. And it's, it's tough. It's a tough business in a lot of ways for a lot of factors. And that's why I love this conversation around the value of food and how this contributes to that. So I'm excited to get going get rocking. I got a you know boatload of ideas and thoughts I want to throw at you and just kind of pick your brain a little bit. And, and uh, you've got a great unique background that's going to bring a lot of flavor to this conversation. So I'm excited. But before we get rolling, like I do with all my guests, if you wouldn't mind, tell everybody a little about your journey in bio and introduce yourself to the world. Yeah, certainly. Appreciate it. Uh, so California boy, born and raised uh, here in the Bay Area. Uh, went to school at Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo down the coast with uh, many of the folks uh, that run the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, basically, uh, left there, went to work for E&J Gallo. So I've, I've predominantly spent the majority of my career in California, right? Worked in the alcoholic beverage arena there with Gallo and then uh, transitioned out into packaging. Actually had a packaging minor at uh, Cal Poly. It's one of the only ones, one of the three schools, I would say, in the United States that have actually a focus on packaging. So I'm I had kind no of one idea. of those weird guys. Yeah, it's like Clemson, it's like uh, Michigan State, and then Cal Poly out here on the West Coast. So kind of unique cool. in that regard. Uh, went to work for Owens, Illinois, spent over a decade over there, running a couple of different business units, went across into packaging distribution, again, predominantly on rigid packaging, beverage and food. And then uh, in the last eight months, then I had the fortunate uh, opportunity to come over to Calpine and um, lead up the team here and get into an industry that feels familiar. You know, it's uh, in predominantly California. Right. Some prior customers were uh, wine grape growers. So, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the ags piece uh bought a lot of corrugated in the past so familiar but different both on the products and the customer side so that's kind of what brought me here today i love it well this like i said i'm looking forward to this chit chat calpine is no stranger to the produce business it's no stranger to a lot of things i don't think people realize but calpine has been around since 1895 that's a yeah. one and eight ninety five. That makes both of us look pretty damn young. I love that. Absolutely. It makes my great. I think I lost some gray hair when I say <laughs> something back from eighteen ninety five. But that's an amazing legacy, right? I mean, it really, really is. So, can you share a little bit about 
what Calpine was, what Calpine, you know, was becoming today, just kind of give everybody a little bit of a frame up, then we'll dive into it a little bit deeper. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, 1895, so been around just a little bit, right? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's to the point where, you know, going back and researching the company, it's uh, it's followed the growth of California as a state in some ways, right? I mean, you talk about how, uh, you know, after the gold rush, you know, people got into lumber, you know, so that's the roots of the, the company is that uh, for a long time, the company was a an agency selling uh, shook. So basically leftover lumber parts into the ag business. You, know, you look at the uh, industrial industrialization of the United States and, you know, the railroad coming in, providing access from the West back East. And so, you know, then all of a sudden you started to transport produce from the West back East. Calpine's helping out in that. Calpine was a large percentage of the uh, shook boxes for a long time. In fact, there was two government actions through the years where they actually had to break up the company into smaller bits uh, over the really? time. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, was a cooperative to start. And then uh, as, you know, mid uh, 1900s, there was a basically a time where, you know, you start seeing a transition away from wood boxes into corrugated boxes. And when you start buying less than 15%, had to change the company structure again, moved it into an incorporated company versus a co-op. And then, you know, through the years, it's continued to innovate, it's continued to get into different packaging and basically, you know, it's moved into the, uh, the, or in the produce arena, or has always been in the produce arena, but moved more to the Central Valley. And, and today, you know, we operate out of Clovis, have customers all through the Valley, down into uh, Mexico, Arizona, et cetera. So really been a, a great story for the company. Yeah, there's no doubt. Again, back to that big number of 1895. I mean, that's, that's just, you know, it's amazing to think when you think about what companies have been around that long. And there's a few, there certainly are, but there's not a lot, Yeah, right? There's not it's, a lot. I actually had a really interesting uh, epiphany when I was talking about, you know, getting ready for this and, and think about the companies I work for. It's uh, I've had this weird happenstance that I've, I've worked for some pretty uh, legacy companies, you know, Gallo has been around Gallo. since 1933, right? Yeah. OI has yeah. been around since 1929. And then uh, most recently Saxco international where I was working at before this was around since 1933 as well, but 1895 takes the cake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you're going to be doing if you try to go any lower than that. I don't know what you're no. going to have. I don't know what's going to be left out there at that point. Yep. But, you know, you, you talked about a little bit when you were introducing yourself to everybody and, you know, your background has is, is been in packaging, you went to school. I mean, like I said, I had no idea that there was actually a packaging, you know, course study like that. That's kind of actually kind of cool. I'm going to have to go get on the Google machine and dig deeper into that. But and you've done a lot of work on the beverage side of stuff. So you've got this unique perspective. So I got to go with a little, you know, I got to throw the softball question up first. Right. Yeah. What surprises you about the produce business? You know, now that you got your feet into it. Oh, well, I think that, you know, again, familiar, but different. So I'm always been used. I always had customers that had agricultural parts of their business. And, and sure. so I'm used to seeing some of the vacillations that come with weather. But uh, I've had a very uh, interesting stretch here in the last nine months, you know, coming in, you know, joined the company and then, you know, I had three weeks of 100 plus to the degree heat down in the valley, you know, so that was impacting growing seasons. And then, of course, the, you know, 30 atmospheric rivers at the beginning of this year, right? So uh, that's been probably the biggest eye-opener is just how much that continuously changes, you know, when products coming off the tree or out of the ground, you know, how that impacts the, the yields. And when you're trying to go into fixed manufacturing environments on our supplier side, getting ready for our customers' growing seasons, you know, trying to give them a, a forecast of where to put product in and where to fit it in and how much to bring into our yards, and then anticipation of like what's going to come off the tree, what's going to come out of the ground, what's the sizing going to be like. That's 
it always uh, uh, breeds a pretty unique uh, planning environment, but uh, more unique here than anywhere else I've been. I was going to say it's got to be because it is so fast paced and it can be and it can flip on a dime to your point. You know, it's hot, it's cold, it's rainy, it's not. Obviously, we've yep. had, a t- you know, we've had a little bit of rain here in the, you know, in California this year. And now we're getting ready as, we, you know, discussing, you and I were discussing before we flipped on the cameras. We got the runoff coming. I mean, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts. What about the similarities though? Thinking about that between, you know, the beverage side of stuff and the produce side of stuff. Do you see well, some of so that? I, I do. I do. There's a lot of, I mean, when you talk about packaging, really, there's a lot of similarities regardless of what the product you're trying to protect is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from that standpoint. But I think the the piece for me that really resonates that, I actually love about the industry that, you know, what's kept me in the packaging industry is it's really the customers and the people you get to interact with. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's certainly, you know, you're, you're dealing with large corporations in one, one sense, but you deal with a lot of entrepreneurs. You'll deal with a lot of passionate individuals. Uh, You know, and specifically I'm talking about a lot of the, you know, family run businesses out there. I've had the, uh, the benefit of just, um, dealing with a lot of amazing people through my career. And when you're talking about the packaging, you're talking about protecting the, protecting the product that they're spent so much time getting together yeah. and then, you know, keeping their message co- uh, cohesive with the packaging as you get it out to market, you get a lot of access to, to the key decision makers and, and companies. And you're, you're trying to earn the right to be on their side of the table and, and help them be more successful in the environment. So that's really been the major similarity. And, you know, I've, been able to sit in prior lives against uh, across the table or with a, you know people like uh, uh, Ken Grossman at Sierra Nevada with the Gallows, multiple different Gallagher's, both when I was working with them and then supplying them at OI, um, John Martinelli and Sparkling Cider. I mean, John Ledestri, who did a lot of uh, um, red sauce coming up through his years. There's, you know, the, it's always the same. It's always the American story, right? Like, right. You know, I think that's the best part about it is you, you meet these customers and these people that have put their passion, come from somewhere else in the world and, and really put a passion in something and then they've created a legacy out of it. And I think that's absolutely the best part of just learning their stories. And that's seeing the American dream at work. It really is. It, it's amazing. There's no two ways about it. And you bring up a really great point. You know, agriculture is is really in so many ways exemplifies that American dream in so many different ways, right? Because you're working the ground, you're working the soil, you, you know, you can't, you can't get any closer to mother earth and that having that as your job profession in so many ways. And 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 there's so much pride that goes in to the end result, I believe, because there's so much risk that goes in to making that end result. So that pride, I think, is so well deserved in so many ways for growers. So I can totally relate to getting in the room with folks like that because I've been fortunate to be in a lot of the situations and and see that and be a part of that and feel that you know that 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 sense of relief or that you know I just borrowed. $2.3 million from the bank. And here we go. You know, I need, I need to hit seven come 11. Right. It's Making big, big bets. It's, big yeah. Bets, big time. Sure. So I, yeah. I love, I love how you framed that up and it's, it's hundred percent accurate. You know, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the beginning, you know, and, in looking back at, at, at my time in tenure and the things that I'm involved with now and packaging such a unique storyline all the time, um, you know, quite frankly, and I'll be the one to say it. And, and, and I firmly believe this, but I mean, you guys live in a world of like, you know, how do we get it cheaper all the time? Right. You know, you always, it's the truth, right? It, I mean, it's what I've lived. It's, it's always seems to be the narrative. Like I said, you know, the buyers are beating up the growers, the growers are beating up everybody behind them. And, and so one of the things I find really interesting is that now you're being asked to try to help save the planet. Right. So you're just like, <laughs> Hey, we get cheaper and help us save the planet. Would you please? Yep. 
But I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, and I don't mean this with, 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 with any disrespect, but a lot of times packages looked at sometimes in a negative light, right? Is kind of this burden that we have to accept, and I, which is kind of goofy because to your point, you're protecting the work that everybody's done to, you know, to get it to market. So getting cheaper, I think, is something that, you know, a lot of businesses always seem to face. But it leads me to this question that's it's like, how can we look to you to fuel innovation if you can't afford it? Right. Yeah. You know, you, you know what I mean? It's like like we were talking about earlier. It's like, you know, you, you got what are you going to do with 37 cents? Right. <laughs> Not a lot. Yeah. So, how do no, you deal, so how do you deal with that? Well, I boy, there's so much to unpack there for a the moment. Unpack, um, brother. Unpack, brother. So, you know, I think the first thing, you know, obviously cost is always a discussion point. Always sure. is, right? Uh, you have to be in the ballpark. You have to be within a certain range, even just be playing the game. That's a given, right? Uh, none of our customers, when we work with them, you know, can can afford to be outside the, uh, the cost profile of their competitors, right? But, you know, a lot of what we talk about uh, when you get into the inside of that arena, then is, is talking about what the true needs are, right, of a customer. And, and I think those really vary and they differ. And I think that drives a lot of the discussion around packaging. It's like, what's the end goal? Uh, you know, one of the other things I, I love about this industry is we're not selling products, right? So we're selling solutions. We're, we're out mm. developing solutions against specific problem statements rather than, you know, I'm, I'm not on a a lot trying to shell, sell you a Chevy or a Dodge or a Ford, you know, depending on who showed sure. up, right? Um, and so a lot of the the ability inside of packaging is to help meet those needs and it's to help meet those needs through the entire supply chain, right? And so, right. you know, a lot of times people say, okay, well, what's this widget going to cost me, right? But there's multiple different factors about packaging. I mean, packaging at its core, it's, it's doing four main things, right? It's doing containment, work so you're you're making sure it's transitioning from here to there it's protecting the product right which is obviously critical and and, and super key especially in this industry when you talk about spoilage and food, food wastage in the, in the supply chain right there's a convenience always at, at, at play here when you talk about the way that retail is approaching the product these days and then the ultimate consumer and how the consumer is voting with their pocketbook and ultimately, there's a, a communications piece as well, right? You're talking about who you are, what you're delivering, et cetera, right? So those are the four main areas. And a lot of times, how you approach your packaging allows you to hit upon those, those four points, right? Some of them are given. You have, you know, have to be in the ballpark on cost, right? Mm -hmm. But you also have to talk about how you're making your product, how you're getting into the market, where you're trying to get into the marketplace, what channels you're trying to take advantage of. And I think, you know, there's one thing that's a constant today more than any other time is that just one size fits all model just doesn't work anymore, right? Consumers want to be, or shoppers want to be met on their level, right? You know, they want to yeah. be, each one of them has a different lens. They're all trying to get something accomplished. And the more that you're able to activate that, that channel approach to customers, the better off I've seen customers be over the years, Right. And, and I, I think there's that. a lot of there, that opportunity here in, in produce, right? I'd say that's, you know, going back to your question about what are some of the differences, um, you know, I, I'd say that obviously there, it takes a gigantic investment to get into to produce, right? So there's not as many new entrants, you know, buying a thousand acres and saying, I'm going to get into the, the farming of this product or that. Product, no, they're, all right? buying, they're all buying greenhouses, vertical farms. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's certainly one of them, right? But, um, you know, there, there's... In some other areas, I've seen a lot more of a lower barrier for new entrants. And so you have a lot of people coming to the marketplace, have new ideas of, about ways to go to market. Sure. Some of them don't work out, but some of them have been highly successful and they 
they come out of the woodwork. I mean, there's, there's guys in wine that started selling wine online, direct to consumer that grew a million dollar a million case brand before anybody knew about it. Right. And so that's, that's taking that communication and, and convenience and approaching a channel in a different way. I think that's something that's an area of opportunity in, in every industry, but definitely one here in Protus as I've just been the neophyte into this industry. Well, again, you've got such a great perspective. So I think it gives you that opportunity to have clear vision, right? I mean, I think if you would have been, if you would have come up for the last 20 years strictly in the produce space, you probably would have a different perspective, which, yeah. you know, I, I think it's fresh. I mean, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great lens to look through. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm learning a ton. I mean, I've, I've had some great interactions with customers. Again, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth generation farmers, right? Um, you know, some great people have uh, been kind enough to take them take me under their wing a little bit, you know, show me what work boots are, you know, wrong that. <laughs> I had it. <laughs> no, it was, it was awesome. I went in the first day uh, to meet Don Smith and, you know, he brought me back, basically said, let's take a look at yourself, you know, and, and uh, you know, he, he looked down at my feet and I was trying to be nice, dressed to impress. And, and he said, you know, son, those, those are work boots. These are work boots. This is what we wear out here. Yes, Mr. Smith. Lesson, I got yes, it. Yeah, lesson, exactly. Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> But, you know, some of it, you know, go, then you take that and then you say, okay, well, you know, listening to their passion about some of the products that they're putting on the marketplace, I had no idea, absolutely no idea. And so, uh, you know, my kids love it these days. I'm, you know, I went out to, you know, his, his um, farm stand out in the front parking lot and started buying a couple of different melons, brought them home. The kids were just gushing. They're like, this is the best thing ever. Like, yeah. and I think that's something as a consumer that I wasn't aware of. I wasn't as knowledgeable. And I think that's a, a huge opportunity to communicate, you know, some of the different um, varieties, some of the different value propositions and, and the, you know, the companies behind them. I mean, there's a great story of many of our customers that I think really resonates to people who want to know where they're getting their food from. Uh, and then that's that communication piece. I think is a huge opportunity as you talk about packaging and how you move forward in this, this world today with, with Proteus. I love that. That's awesome. Well, talk a little bit, you know, how has the sustainability factor changed around packaging, say over the last five years? Cause I'm going to drag, I want to drag a little bit of your, yep. your past into where you are today, because I think it's, it's a big part of that. I think question in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, no. I, it's always been at play, right? So sustainability since I started packaging was always a question of different levels of of interest and different levels of perspective. But uh, I've really seen in the past five years, I've seen um, the consumer starting to vote a little bit more with their pocketbook than they have in years past. And, and you know, I'm just engaging in hyperbole here. So give me a sure. little bit of latitude. But, yeah, dude, uh, sure. you know, Go. prior, you know, 10 years ago, going green really meant, you know, show me the money, right? So yeah. a lot of what we were doing in, in packaging was lightweighting, like optimizing packages. And, and that's a constant journey. I think there's always uh, a, a route to go in and reducing material and packaging, right? But that's predominantly what sustainable green meant, you know, 10 years ago, let's say. I think in the last five, I, I think that, that uh, consumers have started showing their willingness and their belief on what sustainable and which packages they view as sustainable. Mm -hmm. And they've started buying in a higher rate, those types of packages. And, and probably the best example I have is, you know, five, six years ago, you didn't see water in a can, right? And uh, my wife and I ended up going to a uh, Matchbox 20, her more than me, uh, show last night, you know, and they have a, a canned water now called Liquid Death, right? And it's like, yeah. murder your thirst. 
which, you know, great on the marketing piece, but you know, that is a billion dollar brand for whiz and the boys. Exactly. Right. But that's not a cheap package comparative to oh. a, a PET bottle. Right. But it's really driven by consumer acceptance and consumers buying, you know, those, those products and, and having that focus on a, you know, sustainable piece of packaging and, and their view around that packaging. Yeah. I love that. Well, and, and you leave me to another question I'm going to throw at you because I, I think about this. A lot of people, I think, um, look at and, and think that if, if something could be recycled, makes it sustainable, right? And the truth mm-hmm. is sustainability is, is a lot more than just being recycled, right? I mean, sustainability encompasses the entire process, whether it's from design and manufacturing to shipping to all of it is a part of yep. that equation, right? It's not so much as there. So with that being said, recycling, you know, doesn't always mean sustainable. And I think that that's something that's an interesting kind of take that's out there. Talk to me a little bit about that. You think about it, you know, is cardboard more environmentally friendly than plastic? And you think paper will ever replace, you know, to your point about what liquid death is doing, you have water in a, you have water now, you mm-hmm. know, that uh, I've seen water in like a, um, almost like a, a, a milk carton type look to it. Yep. Right. They're doing that. I mean, do you ever, do you think that'll ever have anything, you know, paper can ever replace plastic? Wow. Um, I threw well, you a whole know, bunch of shit there. I don't know where you're going to go with that. I don't even know what the hell I asked you, but just go. <laughs> I was going to say, there's there's so much there. Right? I know, I'm all over the board. Um, you know, so so first of all, on the uh, on the paper thing and the plastic thing, right? So, because plastic obviously is getting a lot of looks these days, right? Um, you know, on, on a professional basis, I always say that, uh, especially being a distributor of packaging, right? I'm, I'm fairly package agnostic in that regard, right? Like each package if it's out there today and it's still out there today it has a place it has a form and function that it's doing one it's it's hitting hard on one of those four points of packaging right you talk about plastic i mean the one thing we do know is that it's convenient and it's darn near indestructible right i mean you don't you take a hard left out of the parking lot after you bought your groceries and you hear things rattle around in the trunk right and that you know you're not necessarily worried about the plastic bottle right Um, but then you get into how is it made and how is it recycled and is it recyclable and then how is it recycled? And I think those are two different questions, right? So yeah. the recyclability piece is always really difficult to, to hit upon because there's the capability piece and then there's a willingness of consumers to actually engage in that. So that's always, that's always a big, well, that's a big there. problem with it too, right? It to your point, consumers yep. don't engage or they, maybe their city has a recycling program, but some of the numbers I've seen pushing almost 80% of what they recover, they can't do anything with. No. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of things that we could learn uh, and do differently if we really were inclined to do so. You look at the Europe versus the U S they still separate, you know, they're, they're recycling into five different bins, right. You know, here in California, I remember, you know, growing up, there were like three or four different brands curbside. Now there's just a giant, you know, blue container in in my neck of the woods right and then other states in the u.s where i uh i've lived uh, through my career i actually called up and said where's my recycling bin they said well you gotta pay extra for the recycling bin you know so you know there's there's a lot of different degrees on how the um country approaches recycling right and then there's capabilities behind it you know there's a lot of questions about uh using plant-based plastics right and are they uh, really that 
available? Are they really that recyclable, right? They definitely have some sustainability messaging around it on one hand. Right. On the other hand, they pollute the recycling, the current recycling stream, right? So you have to be able to differentiate between plant-based versus the traditional PET pellets, right? Or PET bottles, right? So that there's always stuff to unpack inside of that. To hit on your last question, uh, could we, if we wanted to? Certainly, we know we can because in the 1960s, you know, we weren't using a lot of plastic for packaging, no. right? So it was all glass, it was all metals, wood, some corrugated, right? So, you know, there is that capability, but at, at what cost on the other end of that, right? Well, I think that's where it comes down to, right? I think that it's like, it's a lot, a lot of the ideas that we seem to throw out there. It's like, we've got these great end solutions. We have no idea how mm -hmm. to get to the end of the solution. Right. I mean, I can think yeah. of several, like we just we're talking about water earlier, right? In the state of California, there's there's something. It's like there's there's a big thing to talk about. What is the solution? We don't, you know, we know what the end game is, but we don't have any solutions to get there. Correct. Um, you know, EV cars is another one, right? It's like great. We got it, it's a great solution, but we have no idea how we're going to get there and what expense it's going to be. And I think your point is incredibly valid when it comes to that. What about from like the manufacturer side of stuff when you think about all this, right? And, and I and I, you know, how much is like their internal equipment? Um, and things that they have to do slow down some of these initiatives and packaging from happening, right? Because you could, like you could have the greatest thing going. It's like, but it's going to be X amount of dollars for somebody to retrofit to accommodate. And they're like, eh, you know, and at that that much into saving a seagull right now, right? I'm, I don't really care, <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it's real. Yeah. So manufacturing side, you're saying the I mean. Are you saying the manufacturer of the packaging or no, the no, other no, side? The, the people, the other side, people that are you know, yeah. having to make alterations to try to move the ball down the field. Again, it goes back to that, that, you know, fueling innovation, you know, how do you afford it? Yeah. Well, I'm going to give a shameless plug to Calpine on this, this answer. Plug just, away, my brother. That's okay. Uh, well, cause I will say one of the, the big interesting parts for me and, and before I got into sales, my background was operations and operations management. Right. And you know, the crazy part about the produce deal here is that because it's so obviously cyclical, right, you have these assets around packaging that are underutilized for a good percentage of the year. And then you're, you're going flat out trying to, to keep up with the harvest, right? Uh, so I think that's something that, um, you know, transparently for us that, that we've focused on and, and we have many machines in the field helping do that. And I think that's one of the areas of growth into the future for the company as well. Like, I think that's, where you know companies like myself can our, ourselves and, and Calpine can help because we move with customers through different regions and so we can actually move some of those and transport some of those those packaging machinery and and sometimes different types of packaging aren't aren't uh, again it's not one size fits all for everyone some people may be using one one style of pack for a certain marketplace where somebody else doesn't need it and that's that our ability to move that uh, packaging machinery around right so i think that's a that's an area certainly that we're highly focused on when you talk about reduction of material you talk about uh messaging you talk about how to get to market and right. especially you know i think the we'll probably get to it down the road here in this in this conversation but how you use modified atmosphere to reduce spoilage. Right? Oh, we're going there because I want to know. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> so I think, you know, there's a lot of developments in the industry in that regard. And so that that does take new packaging. And I think that's certainly a, a hurdle to overcome. And But that's always been that way in my career, right? I think that's where you look for partners that can help in that regard. Because when the decision comes for capital expense on, you know, new farm equipment or something put on a packaging line, one's getting utilized full year and one's going to be, uh, flash in the pan, you know, I, I know where I'd put my money if I was them. And, you know, and that's where 
I think you're looking for partners that are willing and, and engaged in this arena to, to help them out. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's let's talk about the the new these new treatments and the atmosphere changing products and stuff. We can't. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's an area you have to you're looking at. It's obviously an area you're paying close attention to. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about it. what? How are you viewing all this stuff? Well, so I think you know it's a great great question. You know, modified atmosphere has not been anything new, right? I mean, we we've been working with modified atmosphere since early two thousands. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's it's newer, maybe in this industry. I, I, I don't believe so, but um, no, they've been know, putting I, I gas on strawberries and all kinds of exactly, stuff. Exactly. Right. So there's, there's always ways around mm-hmm. that. Um, I think that there's a combination between, you know, where in that supply chain, what do you need that package to do? And, and, you know, I, I personally think, again, going back to the cornerstones of what packaging does for you in this in market, especially food spoilage is just probably the, the worst thing that can happen in my mind, especially. So, you know, you earlier on, you said, you know, packaging gets bad rap and I, I agree it does because it's looked at in isolation, but mm-hmm. when you talk about what it plays from a protective uh, standpoint for product and just shelf life longevity, sure, uh, you know, that's, that's something that's highly critical when you think about what's, what's it worth to get an extra day, two, five days, if you could, uh, in the shelf life of a product so that you can get pull through and sell through in the consumer's hands. And, you know, they don't end up throwing it out pretty quickly thereafter. I, I think that's hypercritical in an area where the, we'll continue to see advancement in this, this packaging arena. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think it's something that's going to continue to keep rolling along. I mean, there's a lot of companies doing a big lift, but I'm sure that, you know, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's an important part of what we need to start to grasp. Again, back to that big conversation about the value of food. You know, you talk about you know, food waste. I, I throw this out all the time. Anybody that listens has probably heard this a gazillion times, but food waste in this country is the equivalent of every single American, young and old, everybody throwing away 650 apples a piece. That's a big number. I mean, yes. you can't, I mean, do that. 330 million round down, right? 330 million times 650. Good luck. Hopefully your calculator is big enough to throw you all those numbers because it's a big, big number of yeah. what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, food security, I think, is one of those critical pieces. I mean, you know, the, we had Act of the Week, and my wife's very involved in the in the local area, and, and we went to so we went to a Contra Costa County food bank uh, fundraiser on on Saturday night, and just those stats alone, you know, and you you sit here in the state of California and the United States, and you say, okay, we're we're a top economy by ourselves in the state of California. And we're the top economy in the United States. And then to still hear that some people are going hungry uh, in our great nation, it's, it's sad and it's frustrating, right? It's crazy. And man. then you, then you see it, look at the other side and you say, and then you know that there's spoilage occurring and that we, if we could just re-divert that somewhere, that's, that's certainly something that you, know, you would think in our country, we could, we could go attack and there's value well, in attacking it. I think absolutely. And packaging is a big part of that. How do you preserve Correct. it? How do you do it out? I mean, yeah. I mean, to your point with, got 16 million kids in this country hungry today that's a lot of kids kids yep yeah absolutely <laughs> that's, a, that's a staggering number to even compute you know especially for especially for young children that, that you know just can't go pick up the bow and arrow and go hunt a buck right just you know don't have the opportunities to find that food to make that food happen yeah right? Not, but yeah no it, it's i appreciate I mean, your perspective on that go ahead and healthy food too right i, I think that's the other hundred percent especially you know that's that's the thing that I'm really loving about this current job, right? Is that, you know, learning about all the different varieties of produce out there. Right. And then taking that back. And I mean, you know, just, just allowing kids to have healthy food in their schools is, is a, is a huge piece. 
Uh, you know, so I, I think that's something that, you know, as you provide packaging allows for something along those lines, like that's, that's where I think that the true value lies and you start saying, okay, well, yeah, ideally if we could magic our product from the vineyard or the orchard straight to the consumer's mouth, you know, ideally, yeah, we do without packaging, but you know, not an option. So let's see how we can get things to the right people at the right time and, and still in the yeah. right condition. A hundred percent agree with that. So how do you balance that though? I mean, this, how do you balance like developing new technologies versus the economic um, pressures you're getting from the industry? Right. Because again, it goes mm -hmm. back to that, you know, like go, go find that quarter of a penny. Right. Yep. So how do you, how do you kind of, because, it, because look, it, it, in some ways, and, 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 and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but it's gotta be a selling point. It's gotta be something that's a part of your conversations with your, with the people that you're providing. It's like, look, you know, they're, put, they're getting, cause they're getting pressure from somebody yep. over here saying you got to check off all these boxes and packaging is a part of that. So how do you balance that? Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, I two think, for two, and, baby. yeah, there we go. Um, you know, I think that the best solutions hit upon multiple points in the, that needs around packaging. Right. Yeah, I love it. Love and, it. you know, I'll expand a little bit on that. So you know, a lot of times redesign for packaging is one of the first places that we would start, right? And I, I think, you know, one of the things I see out there today is that there's actually a lot of ways that you first you just say, like, you look at the package and say, why are we doing it this way? And it's like, well, this is the way we've done it for a long time, right? Which is always the opportunity. You're like, okay, well, let's let's unpack that a little bit, right? Right. No um, so sometimes, you know, and, and we've had moments like this just in the, the short time I've been part of Calpine and I'm learning from the team. You know, they've they've had opportunities and they have successful solutions where we've gone in, redesigned a box, redesigned a an offering uh, to go to market, and you're able to reduce the packaging. So you may increase one per portion of that packaging uh, cost, let's say, because you're you're packaging a different way, but it's allowing you to hit promotion better. It's allowing for convenience. It also allows you to redesign redesign a secondary package and reduce some of the material there. So you get some of those cost savings back in the secondary packaging because you're putting more of the transferability and the, of the, uh, the protection component on that primary package, right? Because right. at the end of the day, there's, depending on where you're at, there's three to four types of different packaging. You know, you're talking about that primary package that touches the product. You're talking about some secondary packaging, usually carrying some of the message, some of the transportation, some of the protection components. You're talking about shipping packaging, right? Which is the, the dunnage just to, transported around right uh so first of all I, i'd like to give a shout out to the produce industry they have less packaging than others if you talk about it right if you think about you know what it takes to move a granola bar let's say to the market right you have the primary package around the granola bar you have a secondary retail packaging you have a tertiary shipping package and then you get some dunnage behind it so i think there's always that discussion when you when you talk with customers about again what new channels do you want to go attack can you now, can you use a different style pack to maybe do some modified atmosphere, right? And then can we redesign that secondary package because that primary package now is helping distribute the weight better. It's helping carrying some of the uh, mildly, some, some of that stacking strength, if you will. So there's a lot of ways that you can maneuver through it. And then when you talk about how far are you going to market, like where are you transporting this to? How long is it going to sit in your cooler? How much is, you know, how quickly is it going to hit the, the shelf? There's a lot of that today that, you know, as, as we've gotten into it over the last couple of years as a company, that, that one size fits all is an area to go look at, right? Like you're going to design a box differently if you know the produce is going to sit in it inside a cooler for the next month and a half than you are if 
you know, you know that you're going to pack this thing. And it's going to go straight out the door and, and be on the shelf in you know, two days. Right. 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 And, and it's not easy. Certainly it's not easy. I've, I've said for years in packaging, the, the hard part about packaging is it doesn't take rocket science. It's not, a, it doesn't take a degree in thermodynamics to understand the corrugated box, but the complexity is just uh, outside of this realm. Right. I mean, the permutations and combinations of things that you can do with packaging, it's, it's highly complex in that fashion. So it really, you know, there's an opportunity to save money and, and put specific packs out for convenience that allow for new ways to enter, new innovative ways to package, but still allows you to, to moderate costs or reduce cost at times. But you have to get more granular about how you go after it. I love that. Well, I mean, you know, this is why I thought this conversation was really relevant to kind of get people to better understand the deeper thought around the value of food, right? As opposed to walking into the store and go to, oh, I see that granola bar or I see that apple. It's like, well, really, what is that? Why is it that? What is that? You know, because again, I think packaging a lot of times just people don't think about it in a lot of ways. And yeah. It's such an integral part of that whole equation. And, and when you think about value of food too, because we, we touched on it, we touched about sustainability. We touched a little bit about recycling. We touched about all these things that are, are value points that drive value into the food. You know, but again, it's not, you know, you, you can't go do what you're doing for nothing, right? There's a process involved. And I just think it's great that we're at this point of having a conversation around this where people can kind of get a little perspective like, oh, you know, I didn't really think about that. You're right. That is a factor in all that. There is, you know, like you said to the granola bar, I, I think people will be really surprised when they really think about, you know, you're right. There's the packaging around the granola bar. There's the box the granola bar went in. There's the box that the box of the granola bar went in. Then there's the pallet that's underneath all the box or however it was shipped, right? Yeah. So it becomes this big process that, while we want to obviously do you know all we can to make positive changes to the globe, the reality of it is, is that's not the reality in a lot of ways. And it needs to be this conversation around it. I think it's incredibly important to get people informed again to that value of food. Yeah. You know, you know, the other one around the value of food and when you talk about communication, you talk about presentation, you talk about supply chain. Sure. The other interesting thing that um, I'm really excited to talk to more customers in this current industry to, to figure out how they view this is, but looking at the millennials and looking at Gen Z now and how they're approaching their buying decision and through retail, right? Uh, you know, I saw an interesting stat that said that uh, fixed weight packaging had taken over the majority share during the pandemic. Now, I think there's a question of if it's going to drop back off or not, but, you know, I think that's something that's highly relevant when you talk about how you go to market. You know, there's a lot of people out there these days that aren't doing the shopping themselves. They're going online, they're picking up their products and they're saying, okay, I'm going to go for this and that and the next thing. And then they have it delivered to their front door. Right. And packaging plays a big part in that. I, I think that, you know, the, when I've gone out to use those, those services just to try them out, there's always a question in my mind. I'm like, well, how do I know the guy's going to pick the best apple? Right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of focus there. Are they going to they going to pick one that I I think's nice or not? I right. think that's an area that um, you know some of the, sometimes these uh, primary packs they're showing up on store shelves, uh, bulk packs if you'll fixed weight um, allows for some of these new channels and and allows again my current customers to get through by providing an offering that works in that channel. They may be the only one that does that, and thus they get the opportunity to go out and gain that share. And, and by the way, it allows them to promote their product, uh, you know, specifically their family, their orchards, et cetera, versus, you know, just being one of many on, on a uh, way out display. Right. 
hundred percent. You know, I, I think you, you, you make me go back to the early days of, of the organic industry. And as we got things were rolling and how important it was because you were getting, we had no market share. We had nothing. You had no budget. There was nobody really gave a shit about what we were doing. Right. It was such, it really is the truth, yeah. but the packaging, you know, the way we designed boxes and the way we took that to market was such an integral part of trying to work to build a brand because we knew that for that moment in time, when that box, you know, would come across the dock um, or get out to the front of the store where somebody's putting stuff, we had an opportunity to capture somebody's attention and get our name out there to do some stuff. Right. And that's why, you know, I, I can remember, when they tried to get away from box and go into some plastics some different solutions, this and that, why it was just like, I, we we're very resistant to it because like we died, nah, I've lost that billboard, you know, yeah. trying to fight for market share and everything. So, you know, packaging is such an integral part of so much and has so much, it, it really is um, such an important part of what a brand does. And I think it's such an important part that consumers need to recognize not only the value that it provides and what it's all about, but that it's really a part of that cost of, you know, the real cost of the food, the real value of that food. So here's my last question for you, right? All right. So, you know, Calpine been around since 1895. Let's go back to that for a second. You're the new CEO. So I'm putting a little pressure on you now. What's next for you guys coming up? What's exciting? What do you got going on? What's your initiative? What do you got going? Well, yeah, so, you, had that, you had that look like a deer in a hill, like what the frick is he getting ready to ask you right now? It's quite the lead in there, right? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think that the best part about being in part of a company that has this kind of legacy is that, uh, you know, as I've gotten into the industry and, and into the company specifically, uh, there's a lot of things out there in the market in general, what's old is new again. Right. Yeah. And so when, when you got some history behind you, there's a lot of things that we know about that we've tried through the years that you put a little bit of a current day spin on it and you know, you're back to, to some relevance, if you will. Right. Um, you know, certainly for me, you know, the biggest thing is to the stewardship of the company and the, and the legacy behind the company, right? You know, we're, we're going to stay true to our roots. We're going to stay true to our roots and region and, and uh, the products we sell to. Uh, we're certainly going to look to grow and expand. So that, that does take some do what we've always done, do that really well and continue to do that. But then where do we have adjacencies that we can move into? I think that, you know, the the business is, is certainly been changing, right? So our suppliers are getting bigger. Our customers are getting bigger. We need to get bigger. Uh, so that's certainly going to be a high degree of focus, but you know, again, the, the exciting thing for me is that, you know, I came into the company and there's customers asking us to get bigger. They're asking us to, to get into new regions that they're going into and, and just continue to do what we've done just in a new region. We just opened up a new facility in uh, Aramisio down in Mexico. We're going to continue to be expanding into Mexico. This, this is something I guess that customers have been asking us for, to do for the last couple of years. So we're going to listen and we're going to move forward in that regard. Certainly think that we also have some customers that are moving in the Pacific Northwest as well. So that continues to be an area of expansion and, and growth opportunity for us. There's also the ability to uh, expand those product offerings. So in uh, 2021, we Calpine did an acquisition of JS Ag down in Bakersfield and got us more into the clamshell and and pouch bag business. Uh, you know, because as we we talked about already, a lot of that kind of single use or, or ease of use convenience product is is going into retail these days. So that yeah. that helps us to expand our, our knowledge. And I think the last thing, and this is where I really think the DNA of the company, I haven't quite found anybody just like Calpine in the marketplace in this regard. And that's our focus on machinery, right? Uh, you know, I'm I'm used to a distribution model where you're saying, 
you know, you got suppliers, you got customers, you got warehouses and you got trucks. So that's typical distribution. And you're helping yeah. do that transportation and that, that warehouse and that facilitation of supply chain piece. But the machinery piece is, is certainly something that's new to me and, and very exciting. Right. And as we talked about earlier, when you talk about new packages coming in, especially in this industry where, you know, that CapEx is limited and, and you want to put it on an asset that's going to be working day in and day out for you, which sure. is something that's just spot in time. Right. Um, you know, the company today is moving machinery around, you know, we'll, we'll start off a season down in Mexico, put a couple of machines down there, making boxes and, and send that product. And then we'll move that up into the central Valley, et cetera. So that's something I think that we can bring to the table that I'm, I'm very excited about. And I'm excited to see how we invest in different machines to continue and expand that capability, help with modified atmosphere as an example, and help customers get into those new channels and, uh, uh approach some new consumers. I love I think it. The, the last piece for me is that, you know, the breadth of customers, there's always an interesting, oh, I'm lagging here, I think, huh? You're good. Um, there's always an interesting part about being um, in with a customer and seeing what they're doing and then learning from the best in the market and being able to bring that to our other customers out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's pivotal, right? I mean, I think that that's, because you have the legacy, you've got the track record, you've got the ability to, to kind of see where you've been. I love the fact you, that looking back to move forward mentality, I think is great. Good job, man. It's exciting. Yeah. Sorry. I think my computer slowed down there a little bit. No, you're good. Watching myself and still frame going along. No, you're perfectly fine. It's, it's, you're, you're doing great. No, like I said, I, I think it's going to be really neat to see what your journey is. And I appreciate you hanging out with me today. No, I appreciate you having me on. This has been great. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to Continuing to listen in and hear all these other uh, podcasts that are coming through. It's helping my education. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate your kind words, and I'm glad you got. I'm glad you enjoyed the water podcast we had. That was really something. That's going to be. Yeah, that was. That's that going to be. Yeah, it's pretty cool. She's Lo, Lois is Lois is a. She's a hell of a good lady doing some big lifting out there, trying to get people educated on what's what. So, I appreciate her. No, dude, I'm really excited you're here. I appreciate you hanging out with me. I appreciate you know taking the opportunity and give people a little bit of insight. Like I said just a little different look, a little different perspective that I don't think a lot of people actually put into, you know, I think there's just a lot of people that are slinging products and moving, you know, selling this, selling that, and don't really get that whole 360 view of what's all involved. So this is a great angle to bring to that. So I thank you for being here today. No problem. Cool. Everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Remember, go check us out on social media, TLC underscore Toddversations. Get all your fun facts and figures from us, like Encyclopedia Britannica. That's what we are. That's why I'm on social media. I'm just spreading love around the world. That's why I'm there, Sean. Love and kindness. That's why I'm on social. That I'm trying to get, you know, well, that I'm trying to be a Kardashian. Let's be honest. I'm trying to be one of them too. <laughs> Thanks everybody for being here. We appreciate it. Sean. I appreciate you for hanging out with me, brother. I'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.